All right, good morning. Um, so it is a first Sunday, which means we are going to have a kid's sermon. So I need two kid volunteers, and I need kids who are really, really, really good at following instructions. I see Landon, come on down. Zeke, come on down. We got stripes. We got blue team and red team. Here we go. All right, boys, we're going to have a little activity, okay? Kind of a game competition. I'm going to tell you the rules, okay? And then uh, and we'll just play the game. Does that sound okay? I want you to listen really carefully. Okay, I'm going to count. I'm going to say one, two, three, go. All right, now when I say go, you're going to do uh, one of three things. You can either put up five fingers. Show me what that looks like. Five fingers. Two fingers or zero? Five, two, zero. Okay? Now, so I'll say one, two, three, go, and you'll do one of those things. Okay? Totally up to you. Now, here's the rules. You ready? Five, if, if one of you holds up a five and the other one holds up a zero, five will beat zero. Okay? So pay, t- pay attention to these rules. You need to follow them exactly as I say. All right? So five will beat zero. Got it? Zero will beat two, okay, and two will beat five, right? Pretty clear, I think. Okay, so here we go. You ready? Face off here. Face off. You got to face each other. It's a, it's a competition, guys. You ready? Okay, here we go. Remember, I'm going to say one, two, three, go, and then you, you put your, your number out. Ready? One, two, three, go. Ooh. What happens now? Seems like a tie. Let's try it again. All right. Ready? One, two, three, go. Ooh, we have a five and a, and a zero. Who wins? Five wins, right? Remember the rules. Five wins. Okay, we'll play, we'll play uh, best out of three. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. Ooh, we got a tie. Okay. One, two, three, go. Only one person participated. Oh, is that a... <laughs> All right. All right. So we have a zero versus a two. So it seems like, seems like zero beats two, right? Wasn't that the rules? Okay. All right. Now, how fun is this game, guys? Really fun? I got to be honest with you. I think, I think this game is pretty lame. Not so great, right? It's kind of probably hard to remember the rules. And, and this doesn't make a lot of sense. Am I right? Right? Okay, what if I told you that this game is really like a different game um, that you probably have played before? Okay? And instead of zero, let's say this is like a rock. Okay? Oh, it's like rock, paper, scissors. Okay, let's try this again and see how it goes. You ready? So we're going to play rock, paper, scissors. Ready? One, two, three, go. One, two, three, go. Okay, all right, so do you guys kind of know how to play now? It makes a little bit more sense when you understand why and what you're doing, like for what purpose you're following some rules, right? Okay, you guys can, you guys can go sit down. Thank you very much, boys. Um, so the purpose behind that maybe somewhat silly uh, game, if you can call it that, um, is uh, today we're going to talk a lot about commands and rules and instructions um, that we're supposed to follow. And... Um, in God's word, like we are supposed to follow uh, what God says, right, kids? Like 
in God's word. It tells us things that we're supposed to do. But if we focus too much on only what those things say to do, we kind of lose the purpose of, of why we're supposed to do them. You know, and so that's what I was trying to show here. When we were just concentrating on zeros and twos and fives, and that doesn't make sense. You're really doing the same thing, though, right? You had a rock, a paper, and a scissors, but um, if you're really only concentrating on the exact thing that you're doing, it kind of loses the fun and the purpose. And so that's um, that's what we're going to look at today as well. Um, our passage today, you guys can go ahead and flip there if you want, um, is going to be in Hebrews 13, and we are going to read... 1 verses 1 through 14, uh, but I want to give some preface here, um, and Dan Bourne is, has me on the clock. He, I don't know if you guys know this, but he judges people based on how quickly they get to Scripture, so I'm probably going to perform poorly in his mind this morning. That's okay, though. Um, he will forgive me. He's a gracious, gracious friend. All right, um, so this passage, uh, the first half of it is just a lot of commands that don't necessarily seem to be linked together super, super tightly. I mean, they're, they're things, they're moral, moral commands, things that we should do. Um, and so it's kind of almost like a checklist, which is a little odd because he's just spent 12 chapters telling how Jesus is better than all the checklists that um, these Hebrew people have have built up, but it's nice that he's finally gotten sensible and he's given us a checklist that we can just do and feel good about ourselves and move on, right? Not quite. Okay, no, that's not what he's doing at all. Um, and so when we read these, I want, to, I want you to have a few things in mind. Um, first, um, I want you to think about how we, we should actually follow the commands in Scripture. Like, we should actually do them. Okay, not just like think about them and understand them and read them and know they exist, but we should do the commands that we see here. Um, and then the other thing is I want you to think about how we should actually do them, um, because that's important too. Um, and hopefully by the end of today, those two things will be so muddled together you won't be able to pull them back apart. Like, we should actually do things, and how we do them should inform that we do them. And so um, uh, we'll do that. Um, <clears throat> and kind of with the how we should actually do things, I want to I talk about that a little bit, because um, we, we aren't doing them like, I'm going to admit a personal, personal flaw here, so be generous with me. Um, we shouldn't do these commands how how I floss, okay? Um, flossing is something I know that I should do every day, right? It is good for, for dental dental hygiene. Um, but it makes my gums hurt. Um, it's not pleasant, like, in the moment when you do it. You get the stuff out, and that's kind of satisfying. But, um, but I should do it every day, but I don't. I know that I should. I believe that I should. Um, but I don't actually do it. Um, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I do it just often enough to convince myself that I'm trying to follow good dental hygiene, right? But in actuality, that's about it. Like, I'm not flossing regularly enough. And so we don't want to do commands like that. We want to actively, like, make plans and, and set reminders and uh, put up, in some, some cases, like, safeguards to help you obey um, what God has has told us to do, um, like making plans and training and things like that. Um, 
I think one thing that, that we can be guilty of, both as people in general and more specifically, um, Believer's Church in Hannibal, Missouri, is anytime um, we're going to talk about commands a lot, we have kind of a legalism uh, radar or legalism flag that shoots up and we say like, well, hold on, hold on a second. Um, grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone, right? Which praise God, right? Praise God that that's true. Because, um, even if, even if the commands we're going to read today were the only ones I had to keep, I would fall, I would fall so short. And so, um, that's true. Grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Um, absolutely. Um, and I, I am so grateful that we have a God who knows us well enough to know that we can't, we can't measure up to any standard, any moral standard on our own. Um, but there is a problem when we say, um, you know, grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Like, I am secure, so I don't have to follow those commands. I don't have to do that. Um, and it's kind of like, really? So whose commands are those? Who's, who's the one that's telling you to do that? Um, did God not know what he was having written down in his word um, when he intentionally put it there for you to follow? Or, or maybe he just, he just wanted it recorded so that you would know you don't have to do that because you're in Christ. No, right? That is not the case. Um, and I don't, I don't, to be clear, I don't think any of us are, that, are there where we would say like, you know, I'm secure in Jesus, so I don't have to do anything that the Bible says. Like, I, that's heresy. And I don't. I hope and I think that none of us are there. But what I do think that we can be guilty of is, in our minds, lessening those commands um, because we are confident in our salvation and we are confident that um, that my salvation doesn't rest on on what I do, but it rests on what Christ has done on my behalf. You know, and um, and that is a truth that is again like I am so grateful that that is a truth. But um, it's kind of a mentality of I should. I should keep these commands, but I, but I don't like have to have to right. I should do it. I know that I should do it. We can all agree that I should do the commands in the New Testament. But you know, my salvation is secure, and so I don't have to. Which I mean, we could argue with some technicalities that like that's that's true. I don't know that that's helpful to think about it that way. And you have to be really clear on what you mean by should and and all those different things. But like. Kind of, but that's also equivalent to saying, like, I don't want to cheapen what Christ did for me on the cross by obeying the commands he prepared for me to walk in when he died on the cross for my sins. Like, it doesn't really make sense. And so, um, so like, obedience is, is important. Um, and so I just want to, and it's a lot of preface for before we read the, the passage, but I, I really want you to just think about actually how we can obey these commands. Um, Think about what they are, um, how we can how we can do them, how they relate together, how they relate to the gospel, and all that stuff. Because um, that's ultimately what we do when we when we read scripture. Like we want to apply it to ourselves, and we want to um, compare it with other truth that we know. Um, and one more thing before we before we read, we're going to read. I promise. I promise, Dan. We're getting there. Um, uh, I want to just kind of recap what we've been doing the last few weeks. Okay, chapter 12 and before. So some things that we've done, we talked about throwing off the weight and sin, um, running with endurance, strengthening things that are weak, um, discipline. Um, and then last week we talked about things being shaken and removed and that God is an all-consuming fire. That's kind of the last three, four weeks. 
Um, does anybody see a kind of a common theme in those recent passages? It's a real question. You can you can shout it out if you want. Anybody? Anybody? I'll repeat them. I'll go slower. Yes. All right. So we have. Sorry, I didn't I didn't inform you on on the quiz. Um, so we we were throwing off weight and sin. We're running with endurance, um, strengthening things that are weak, godly discipline, things being shaken and removed, and then God being an all-consuming fire, kind of the last few weeks. Any kind of common thread running through that? Responsibility, what? Aggression is not one I would have thought of. Getting ready for something big, I like that. Of preparation a little bit. Sanctification. Um, refinement would be another way to kind of think of all those things. Like we're, we're getting rid of, of things that aren't helpful, that are bad, and we're building up the, the, good, the good things. Okay, and so we, we run right into today's passage where we get just a whole bunch of commands in a row. Landon. But Jesus is better. That is the theme of the whole thing. And so you are absolutely right. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to read now. Um, Hebrews 13, we're going to read 1 through 14. So here we go. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember, those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke with you, spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their, of their life, and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is, is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you, you love us and you give us instruction. Um, on how to respond to your grace. Um, help us to, um, to learn from your word um, together this morning. Um, help me to um, communicate clearly. Um, Father, and I pray that um, the Spirit would work um, and help um, interpret. Um, and I just pray that as a body, we would, we would grow closer to you. Um, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to walk through this whole thing. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on each individual command. We'll talk about each one, but I feel like the, the substance of the command is fairly clear. Um, I want to focus more on the 
kind of how and why we obey these and other commands that we see in Scripture, which is going to mostly kind of come from the second half. But we'll, we'll walk all the way through. So um, just to be prepared, there will be some questions along the way. All right. No excuses. There will be a quiz. Okay. So verse 1, um, we see let brotherly love continue. Um, there has been evidence, because it says continue. Um, they've been showing um, other members of their local body brotherly love. They care about one another. They should keep doing that, um, encouraging one another in the faith. Um, the author of Hebrews, if you wanted to flip back in chapter 6, he kind of talked about this a little bit. Verse 2, um, hospitality for the stranger. And then it has that little caveat of some have entertained angels unawares, which is neat and intimidating and confusing and all at once. Um, mostly that's probably talking about Genesis 18 and 19, um, Abraham, and then I believe Lot after that. Uh, but um, hospitality seems to be something that God wants for his church, like wants and expects for his church. We see it as a qualification for elders, and we see it a few times um, to be hospitable or show hospitality for all believers um, multiple different places in the New Testament. Um, and so that's something we should do. And this specifically says to not neglect um, hospitality for strangers. Which hospitality, like when we think like, oh, that person's good at hospitality, they have their friends over a lot. Which is, I mean, that's good. Like you should have your friends over and fellowship. That's, that's cool. But this specifically says uh, don't neglect the stranger. And so I don't think... And, I mean, just grammatically, this isn't saying you should only invite strangers over. That would be difficult and weird um, if you only ever invited strangers over. That's not what it's saying. But I do think what we should, what we should be about as believers is, um, is we should be comfortable inviting all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds into our homes and not expecting um, it to be reciprocated. Like, we should just be comfortable. Our homes should be an open place where we can, where we can bring people in and love them and serve them. Um, and then, like, with, within that, like, you're not neglecting strangers. Like, you're open to someone who you don't know all that well to come into your home. It's not a command to seek out the person you don't know and invite them in, but it's a, uh, kind of a, just a way to say we should be hospitable with all people of all... Um, socioeconomic backgrounds, um, ethnic backgrounds, racial backgrounds, religious backgrounds. Like, we should invite other people into our homes so that we can influence them with the gospel. Um, and I think that it's a really, a really easy way to point to the gospel, too. Uh, I'm going to lob one in here. Here's the first question on the quiz. Okay, you guys ready? Um, a coworker or someone you know says, uh, I noticed that you invite a lot of people over to your house. Some of them you don't even know all that well. I think that's pretty cool. Why do you do that? Gospel application. Go. Somebody. Anybody? How could you use that conversation to point to what Jesus has done for us? I notice you invite a lot of people over into your house. Some of them you don't even know that well. He I think that's cool. He adopted us in. He gave us a home. There you go. Um, he invited us into his family. Not because of what we did. He did, I mean, we, we were his enemies. He knew us well because he's God. But, um, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, like he invited us in, not because of what we did. Um, 
and not because we not because we sought him out, but he first sought us out. Right? He he first loved us. Um, so that's a good way to point to that. Um, moving on to verse three, um, command: We're to remember the imprisoned and mistreated. Pretty similar here. Um, we are to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves and who will likely not be able to repay us. We are to serve um, selflessly um, those who, who need help, regardless of their standing socially. Um, prisoners, a lot of times, um, re- relied on people outside of the prison in this, in this time period for food. Like they had needs every single day that if they were not met, they would go without and starve potentially, um, and the mistreated, um, similar situation. So um, maybe you spend a lot of time doing that, and again, someone says to you, why do you help those people? They don't deserve it, and they're probably never going to be able to pay you back. They're probably just taking advantage of your kindness. How do we point, how do we point that to the gospel? What do we do there? What? Nobody can pay God back anything, right? What can we, what can we do to repay what God has done for us. Nothing. Um, we, and we, we were dead in our trespasses. Like We had no way of even, of even coming to God. While we were incapable of changing our status, Jesus uh, came and made us alive. Like He, he served us when we had nothing and um, gave us everything. Um, moving on, verse 4. Um, we are to honor marriage and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Um, I could go into a lot of depth on this, but I am not going to. Um, this was a time, um, it was a cultural norm. Uh, being promiscuous was a cultural norm, especially for men. Um, I think this command is a little bit different, um, or I, I know that this one is a little bit different. Um, directly, I would say that um, this is a call to honor the bond of marriage um, in the way that God intended the marriage relationship to function. So we have um, one man and one woman bound together until they are separated by death. And that is supposed to represent the relationship that Christ has with the church. Um, Among many other things, this is just a call to not be all about yourself. I think um, if you are married, you quickly understand, like, you cannot have a successful marriage if you are focused on yourself. Um, It cannot happen. Um, we're to honor the marriages of ourselves, of other peoples, to keep sexually pure by not pursuing a uh, relationship that's sexual in nature with anyone who is not our spouse. Um, and again, I think this command is different in nature because the other ones, um, brotherly love, um, serving, hospitality, those are things that people can, can see actively happening. And they are for, for a a specific benefit. Like when, when you see someone serving, you can point at that and say, like, hey, they're serving there. Um, I think that marriage can be like that. Like you can see an example of how someone serves their spouse. That can definitely happen. But I think this, was, this one's kind of the opposite. Um, and what I mean by that is people are not going to see a whole lot of specific examples of how you honor your, your wife or your husband. Um, but if you don't obey that command, they will actively see what the kingdom of God is not like, if that makes sense. So this is a way, like, this is kind of really more, I think, more of a warning, which makes sense with how he kind of ends it with um, God will judge, you know. Um, But 
this one is one we should keep. And there are benef- like positive benefits, obviously, to honoring your spouse for other people to see and glorify God. But I think it's one of those things, like if you don't do it, um, it, it actively shows what, what the kingdom of God is not like. And so we, we don't want to be about that. Um, verse 5, uh, command, we're to keep free from the love of money. Uh, this is another kind of sticky one. So um, just to be clear, this passage does not say that money is evil. It does not say that making money is evil or even that making lots of money is evil. Those are not evil things. They are not bad. Um, <clears throat> it does say that we should keep our life free from the love of money. And um, I'm not going to give you uh, budgetary guidelines or things like that. Um, I think that personally this is more about spending and saving than it is necessarily about making. And I think within that it's really, it's really just a hard issue. I think you can, you can lay out a very rigid budget um, with the intent of, of honoring God in that very rigid budget. Um, and I think you can honor God with that. And I think also you can stick to it so much where you cut yourself off from opportunities to be generous and love God through that. I think um, if you are kind of more free with your money and you don't, don't plan where it goes, I think um, you can be, be very generous and you can give and but you can also get yourself in a lot of trouble where you are tied up and not able to be generous and, and give and, uh, and honor God with your finances in that way. So I think um, it's, it's a hard issue, but it, there is some planning involved in, in honoring God with your money. I mean, if you're, if you're only about making money all the time and that's all you, all you care about, um, there's a problem there. But if, if you don't think about where your money goes and you are racking up debt and being a burden on yourself and other people where you can't where you can't share what God has given you, you're not being a good steward there either. So, um, and a lot of people don't think about that. If I have a lot of debt, I don't love money because I'm poor. Like, well, you do. You just spend it all on stuff, you know? You spend it now instead of hoarding it up for later. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. There are whole books and sermon series on money and you can, we can go into that later, I guess. Ask me about it later if you want. I don't know if I'll have any more answers. but um, So here's where we, we're starting to get into the why now, after that. Um, so what we see here, we had a list of commands, and then we're going to start to see the author kind of transition. We're going to have some commands kind of still sprinkled in there, but we're going to start talking more about the how and the why we follow, we follow these commands. So um, the next thing is um, he says... Um, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's a truth. And then it gives us the response. Like we're, we need to preach to ourselves. Okay, based on this truth, what, what, should, what should we say? What should we say to ourselves? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So we have a truth of God will never leave me or forsake me. Um, and then I'm taking that truth. I'm applying it to my life and saying like, uh, God is my helper. I, I don't need to fear because he is with me. Um, and then it, and then it goes on. Remember and imitate the leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Um, this is not a command to obey and imitate all religious leaders. That is a bad move. Don't do that. Um, this is a command to imitate. And look at the criteria here. Those who spoke the word of God to them. If someone is preaching the truth to you, that is something that should lead you to believe that they might be worth following. But there is more than just that. And, uh, and it says, examine their lives. 
right? Their lives back up what they teach. So they're actively um, teaching you, um, pointing you to Christ, and they are they are going there themselves. Like their life shows that they follow what they're teaching and uh, and imitate them, which which hopefully it should make sense because they're on the same path you are, right? They're they're going to Christ. They're saying, "Come on, you know, like let's go, let's go together," and and so we're all going the same direction. That is a helpful thing. And then, based on what Landon said, the author brings us right back to Jesus is better here. Um, which seems like, if you read if you read the passage, which we did, um, verse 8, we have all these commands before there, and then verse 8, it says, Jesus uh, Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And prior to that, that is the first mention of Jesus in this chapter. Command, 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 command. God will be with you. Command, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Kind of like in this specific passage, kind of seems like it could be a little bit disjointed, a little bit abrupt, like, where's that coming from? But if we think about where we've been for both the last couple weeks and the last year plus, um, the author has been laying out, Jesus is better in this way, Jesus is better in this way, he's better than the law, he's better than the priests, he's better than the prophets, he's better than the angels, Um, Jesus is better in all these things. And so he just said, uh, you know, good teachers, if you find them, you should follow them if they're leading you to me. And then it says, but, but really, the best is Jesus. He will never change. Okay, His life holds up. It held up then. It holds up now. It will go forever. He was perfectly obedient then. He, he died um, for you, and he is currently mediating on your behalf. Then, so yesterday, past, present, today, and then uh, forever, and this is something that um, really hit me um, in the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for this. One of the uh, commentaries I read and one of the translations, instead of the forever, it kind of translated it as permanently, like permanent. So instead of, you could think, instead of yesterday, today, and forever, you could think past, present, permanent. Um, which for me was really neat because... I don't know why, but it has just a stronger connotation than forever. Like forever, I think, like, yeah, later today, next week, two years from now, 100 years from now, forever. But permanent is like, it is not going anywhere. It will be there always. It is a fixed part of how this world operates now. Like Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf will not change. When he when He finished his work and sat down at the right hand of the Father, uh, it's, it's from that point forever, it's done. No one can take it away. Like, it cannot be undone. It is permanent. Um, and that, man, that's cool. Um, I know that's the same as forever. Like, forever and permanent mean the same thing. I understand that. But, you know, sometimes you hear something in a different way, and it just, like, it hits you. And that's what it was for me. Like, uh, and so I just I wanted to share that with you guys. Um, Verse 9, um, don't be led astray by diverse teachings. Um, the idea here is obviously something that is foreign to the gospel, something different than the gospel, outside the gospel, extra from the gospel. Um, the author of Hebrews um, is kind of combating, a lot of these were, were Jewish in nature because he's writing to Hebrews. Um, people were focusing on ritual observances, sacrificial feasts, um, laws about cleanliness, um, circumcision, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and the idea is they were so focused on these events 
um, that they lost track of what they're supposed to be pointing to, what these events are supposed to represent and, and point them to and guide them to. Um, and so it talks about food a little bit, with, and that's what he's getting to with the feasts. Um, obviously, we need food. He's not saying you shouldn't eat food and that you should only rely on grace instead. Um, he's just kind of pointing out, like, what's most important? Like, is this feast most important, or is what the feast is pointing to um, He's gonna. He's getting ready to go into the Day of Atonement. So that that's kind of, I think, what he's he's building up to. Like, the feasts and the celebrations associated with the Day of Atonement. They're cool. They're great. They point to how God is taking the sin away from the people. But if you're only focused on the festival and the event and the fun and the and the fellowship, you're missing the whole point of what's going on. Um, and so I think the idea of him saying, uh, "Be sustained by grace and not food," is like, without food, your body will die. That's bad. Without grace, it's, it's pretty hard to fathom what the world would be like if, if there wasn't grace. Um, it, we would be trapped in hopelessness forever, and probably death would be what we would desire, because without grace, we would be hopeless and trapped there forever, uh, and that would be, I mean, that's way worse than death. Um, so um, we're getting to the good part. I'm getting excited here. Okay, um, Verse 10, we see, it says, We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. This is pointing to the Day of Atonement. Um, and there's a couple reasons we know that. One, um, the priests weren't allowed to eat the meat that was sacrificed for the Day of Atonement, and they burned the sacrificed animal outside the camp. And so it says both those things. Um, but it is also pointing to, um, it says we, believers, people who trust in Christ, have an altar um, which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Um, they spend their lives, those who serve the tent, spend their lives following the rules and making sure everything is in place and in order um, for these religious sacrifices that, that they believe are, are honoring to God. But they have missed the point. Like, what is the real atoning sacrifice? They've missed, they've missed out on, on Christ. Okay, they have no access because they... Um, they've forsaken Christ, even though they're doing all the things, they're keeping the rules, they're missing out. They're not, they're not going to get to taste uh, what, what their whole life is about. I mean, they, they're following these rules in hopes that that is enough to get them to God, but, but they're missing the point. Uh, and then it says, so then it, it goes from just the sacrifice and, the, and the, the people, the workers of the tent, and it brings Jesus back in. Focusing back on Jesus here. Um, it says, Jesus suffered outside the camp. And so we, we should too. Um, we are um, to leave the life of comfort in order to follow into obedience places where we are not likely to find social, financial, or physical comfort. That's what this is, is saying. We are to leave the place of comfort inside the city where things are safe, where things are nice, where we have opportunities for gain, both um, financially and socially and all that stuff. We are to leave those places and suffer with Christ outside the city. Um, the reason is, 
getting into the last verse, is that we are citizens of a kingdom um, where we will live forever in a perfect social environment. We can leave the comfort now of our, of our city. We can leave what's comfortable for us uh, because we will be in comfort forever. Okay? We can leave... Um, we can leave where it's easy and go to where we're going to have to have difficult conversations because we are citizens of a kingdom where there will never be pride or disagreement or strife ever again. So we can live, we can, we can leave that comfort now and, and move into where other people are living in that with no hope and show them that there is hope forever. Um, we can leave our financial comfort. We don't have to hoard our money or buy all the things and get rid of all of our money. And we can leave that now because we know we are citizens of a kingdom where we will live as co-heirs with Christ forever and never want anything ever again. We can leave where it's, where it's comfortable, where it feels nice, and we can go where um, there might be pain because we know that we are citizens of a kingdom where there will never be pain or tears or sadness ever again. We are to live now a life that reflects the kingdom that we are citizens of, if we're believers, now. Jesus brought the kingdom. When he came, the kingdom of heaven is here, he said. And when he left, he did not take it back with him. Okay, it is still here. The kingdom is here. And he gave us specific instructions um, as to what living in that kingdom looks like. Okay, how we should treat other people, how we should treat our spouses, um, how we should treat marriage, how we should treat and view money. And here's where, here's where the big disconnect is, because treating other people well, treating your spouse well, having a good view of money, those are things that everyone can agree on are important. You don't need the gospel, and you don't need Jesus to say that those are good things. Right? True. We should be nice to other people. We should care about other people. We should care about our spouse. We should have a good view of money. We don't need, we don't need Jesus to agree on those things. But we need Jesus, so we need to think about how those commands are different based on what he has done. And the author of Hebrews has been laying this out for weeks and weeks and weeks. So before I hit that, back to legalism. Um, so I think the problem with the question on legalism is um, if you ask um, do I have to keep these commands or like am I required to keep these commands that's a flawed question for a believer right from the beginning it's a broken question that shouldn't be a question that we should ever have to ask um when we're only focusing on following the commands, so if the focus is, should I do this command? Do I have to do this command? Am I required to do this command? Um, that that kind of is legalism. Um, but the commands are not an end. Like, that's not what the commands are about. The commands are not about doing them or not doing them. The commands are very clearly a means to do something. So to what end? What is the end? What are the commands trying to accomplish in us? Again, 
The author has been laying this out. We're, we are at the climax of the book of Hebrews. He has been saying, Jesus is better than this. 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 And then we get into chapter 12, and he's saying, okay, um, you need to throw off this weight. You need to throw off this sin. You need to uh, be prepared. Like, discipline is for your good. God is, God is refining you. He is building you up. Um, we're going to find these weak spots. We're going to you know, work through them together. Um, Things are going to be shaken. Things are going to be thrown out. God is going to consume and refine everything. Um, and so the idea of all that stuff and then these commands is saying like God is working um, to make you into um, what he's always crea- created you to be. Right? When Christ comes back, he's going to, to end, and we've talked about this already, he's going to end the sin and the, and the death and the sadness and the tears. Um, and all that stuff, but these commands are um, are refining us. They are they are ways for us to walk in obedience and prepare us to live the life that we are going to live forever. Okay, so if you don't if you don't want to follow the commands, and and when I say that, I'm not saying like I struggle with with doing this or I struggle with doing that. I'm saying like I read this command and I don't think I should have to do that. I don't want to do that command. Like then you should think about like. What that means, because this is, like, God's word is saying, this is what you should do, because this is how it's going to be forever, right? Um, You are a citizen of this kingdom, and these are the social norms of my kingdom. And you're saying, I don't want that. I don't want to do that. Like, think about what that means for your heart. You're saying, like, I don't want to fit in to God's kingdom well. And that is a that is a big time, big time serious problem. And another way to think about uh, another way to think about it is like so. Some of the commands are for us. Sorry, some of the commands are for us, but some of the commands are to show other people what the kingdom is like that aren't in the kingdom, right? So some of them are to to build us up and to um, get us more ready. Um, for life uh, forever in His kingdom, and others are to show other people that they could have access to that kingdom. Um, and so um, there's multiple ways to think about that. Um, I mean, the Lord's Prayer, very clearly, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, that is what this whole thing is about. Like, um, God's kingdom, um, his rule and reign, breaking into our lives and into our city and into our world and spreading through the obedience of his people and then ultimately reaching its completion when Christ comes back. Uh, so another way to look at obedience um, is just to kind of think about the gospel and what that means. And we've talked about the kingdom, um, but all of us were dead in our sin. We were all enemies of God. We're all, we all deserve death, uh, but God, being rich in mercy, um, he decided to send Jesus to live perfectly in our place, die horrifically in our place, um, and if we trust, if we trust in that death, and if we, if we trust in Christ, He credits that perfection uh, to us, and He's prepared a place where we get to live forever um, in perfection. And the best part is, we get to be with God forever. So, like we were enemies of God, we deserve nothing other than death, and instead, we get to be with Him forever in perfection. And so, looking at these commands, looking at these and other commands through that lens, um, commands are preparing us for how things are going to be forever, and they're 
a way of God explaining to us the appropriate response to the grace that we have been shown. Right? I'll say that again. Obeying commands and commands in Scripture are God's way of explaining to us the appropriate response to the grace that we have been shown. Okay, so why should I care about other people? Because someone cared for me when I didn't deserve it. Why should I invite them into my home? Because someone invited me into their family when I didn't deserve it. Why should I care about, why should I uh, not love money? Okay? You should not love money because you should love God. And you should, you should be more focused on how you can bless other people than how much stuff you can get or how much uh, wealth you can acquire. Why should you, any other command in Scripture, why should I do that? Because it's the appropriate response to the grace that we've been shown in Christ. So, kind of a lingering question that might be out there. Um, should I still obey? So maybe read the Bible, share the gospel, whatever, if I don't feel like it. So where are, we, where are we with that? I'm saying you should feel like it. You should feel like following these commands because God's done so much for you, so what if I don't feel like it? I have some questions for you. Some of them are related to children. If you don't have children, you can still answer them because they're really easy. Um, so the question is, should I still obey if I don't feel like it? Do you still want your kids to obey if they don't feel like it? If I say, go take out the trash... I don't feel like it, Dad. Okay, it's totally fine. Like, no, I want, I want you to do it. Whether you like it or not, I would like you to do the thing that I have asked you to do. Um, two, do you think kids or people can still learn lessons about life if they don't feel like doing it? Yes, they can. Uh, next question. I'm going to use reading God's Word uh, as an example on this one. What does reading God's word when you don't feel like it say about its value to you? So what, it, like reading, even though you don't feel like it, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to anyway. What does that say about how you value God's word? I value it more than my feelings. I value it more than my opinions. I know that it is good for me whether I think, whether I, think I want it right now or not. Okay, what's more true, my feelings or God's work? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, then, and then the flip side of that question, what does not reading God's word when you don't feel like it say about its value to you? I don't feel like reading God's word, so I'm not going to today. Your feelings are more important. What's more true to you? What's truth? How I feel. How I feel is truth. Right? And, and by the way, I'm not saying, like, in some, in some small respects that is true, like, on a daily basis, like, one day. But I'm saying, like, in general, you know, like, if you, if you make a pattern and a trend out of, of making that choice, I don't want to, so I'm not going to. Or, like, I don't feel like it, but I know that this is value. I know that this is where value is. I know that this is where truth is. I know that this is where importance is. So I'm going to do that anyway. And that's true with more than just reading God's word. It's true with sharing the gospel and obeying commands of all sorts. Um, yeah, faith. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Like, I don't, I don't see it right now. I don't really want this right now, maybe. But I know that it's better. And so I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe through faith that that is where I need to be. Um, so, um, kind of in, in reflection, talked about a lot of commands and, and some why here, but um, 
It's kind of saved my main point till the end because it took a while to get there. Um, and again, hopefully we've kind of rolled together that we should, we should do things. We should follow commands in Scripture, and how we do that makes a difference. Hopefully those are rolled together in one. So here, here's our, uh, kind of our main point, and I'll, I'll close with this, and then Sean's going to come up and uh, introduce the Lord's Supper. Um, we should desire to obey. Not just obey. We should desire to obey because we are citizens of his kingdom. Um, we want to be acclimating ourselves and others for the time when Christ comes and fully acclimates us, um, where we live in perfect obedience forever. Like, if we're believers, like, we will live in perfect obedience forever. And so, like, we want to be working towards obedience now. Like, we want to be working towards, um, when are we working towards that so that, um, it's not like a huge shift, like we're caught off guard, like, oh, I don't, I didn't know I should follow God's commands like this. What have I been doing my whole life? Um, and I, again, I think our, our struggle is we're people of extremes, always. Um, and there's tension, right? Um, we see commands and we just, okay, let's write them down. We'll make a list. We'll follow them. Boom, 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 boom. And we'll make it all about doing these commands. And we're missing out on what the purpose of the commands are. Or we go to the other side and we say, like, I am secure in Christ, and I, I, I know that. That is a truth. And so, like, where, I mean, there's the far extreme, but we're not going to talk about that. I don't, I don't have to do that. That's not where, where I, don't, I don't think we're going to find ourselves. But the other extreme is I'm secure in Christ. And so, like, I should do these, but they're not really that important because I'm secure in Christ, and so I don't, I don't have to do those. But like, we need to be, we need to be firmly in the middle where we say like, there are commands and they are important, and I should do things. I should, I should like make reminders for myself, and I should set up accountability, and I should have people ask me about this, and I should uh, do things so that I make sure I follow these commands because they are important because. I am a citizen of a different kingdom, and I do have hope in Christ, and I will live forever in active obedience to those commands because he purchased that obedience for me on the cross. And so there's that tension where um, commands are important, and, and I think our, our uh, flaw would maybe be more to this side where we, we don't focus as much on, on really doing them, um, but, but we should with, with hope and um, excitement and encouragement on like, this is how it's going to be forever. And if it's weird and hard for me right now, then I need to grow in that because this is how it's going to be. You know, like if we're, if we're believers, like that's it forever. Like um, life's not going to be about me forever. It's going to be about Christ. Um, praise God for that. So um, Sean's going to come on up and uh, lead us in the Lord's, Lord's Supper.